Hello everyone, good to see you and welcome um, to another, uh, to this week's edition of The Thinking Coach with David Petrozello. Uh, we weren't here last week, we're back this week, we, we, I do apologise. Uh, last week um, commitments and other issues kind of uh, got in the way, <laughs> but we're back this week for another show and we've got some great questions lined up. And if you are joining us, uh, David will be with us shortly. If you are joining us on Facebook um, for the show, then please um, uh, drop us a uh, drop us a question in the comments section under the show. If you're joining us live, uh, if you've got a question for David, please feel free to 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 pop a question in there, and uh, we will certainly uh, include it uh, as part of the questions in the show. We've got a few, as I say, we've got we've got some. We've got some questions today. They're pretty in-depth, um, so we hope to get to all of them. If we don't, we'll we'll carry some of them over. It just depends on how we how we go. So we'll see how we go. Um, in just other news, uh, this week the Great Sports Debate will will let people know soon when the Great Sports Debate's going to be. Probably be on Friday, but we'll see how we go. Uh, but we'll let people know about that. David's on his way. He's about to join us in a minute, so I will... Um, I will defer to him when he when he arrives, uh, and we'll get stuck in because we've got some pretty good questions lined up uh, for today. And there he is, joining us from Canada. Uh, hopefully, joining us from uh, a, a nice weather condition, sort of uh, at the moment. Uh, is David? G'day, David. Good to see you, mate. How are you? I'm good, Jerome. How are you doing? Yeah, we're not too bad. We're not too bad. It's uh, Fine, sunny, and warm here. We've certainly turned uh, into the spring. Yeah, you're you're in a little bit of a better spot than uh, than we are. We've uh, we've been experiencing something called an atmospheric river, which uh, is uh, now being uh, it's now become a common term, I guess, for people to to kind of refer to around here because it's our it's our third atmospheric river in the last two weeks, um, and it's. Yeah, it's something different. Anyway, it's a whole lot of rain, a whole lot of wet, and uh, we're uh, this one will be the worst one now in some areas. So we're probably looking for some, looking ahead to some more flooding, unfortunately. Um, so hoping everybody can stay safe and and uh, we can get through the next few days. Well, they're having a lot of rain on the east coast of Australia. We're having a lot of we're having a lot of sunshine over here. They're having a lot of rain on the east coast. So we know in other parts of the world how, what people are experiencing at the moment. Certainly, so we. We hope that everyone does stay safe and everyone stays well. Um, we obviously weren't here last week. I obviously, uh, that was to do with me. I um, originally had a luncheon, uh, a luncheon uh, meeting that turned into a breakfast meeting, uh, which meant that I wasn't, we weren't able to, but we've, we have six or seven very, very in-depth questions lined up. They were ready to go for us last week and they, they are again today. So, uh, and I've just said to any anyone that's watching us online, please feel free to jump a question into the comment section, and we'll certainly do our best to cover it. Um, Absolutely. The first question kick we'll kick it off with. Uh, they're all yeah, they're all interesting actually. They're uh, looking through them. They've all got different um, uh, different parts. With our, uh, certainly our, our viewers out there or coaches out there are really thinking about what they want to ask you really think about what they want to ask us to try and get um, get some thoughts on. Uh, the first one uh, comes from Paul, 
and he's a local down here in Mandra, uh, which is inter which is interesting. Um, uh, I don't know Paul, or I might know Paul. <laughs> I might have come across Paul's over on the line. I don't know. Um, he's having a difficult having a difficult time with a parent who is constantly overstepping the line and interfering with his team and his coaching. And he asks, how would you deal with this situation? Well, Paul, uh, thank you for the question. And uh, I always enjoy, um, you know, talking with people from, from WA, as you know, Jerome. Um, holds a special place in my heart in the Southwest. Um, you know, this, I think, is a, is a very uh, common uh, challenge that a lot of youth coaches face. Um, and, and I think that our approach to um, the situation is really um, going to set the stage for how successful we're going to be at, at overcoming the challenge, at navigating that situation with the parent. I think the first thing that I would do is, is um, you know, reflect on how we got to that point. And even while you're in the middle of it, uh, give yourself the opportunity to, to maybe take a second and go backwards in time to see whether or not there were moments that you could have uh, perhaps communicated a bit more clearly about boundaries and expectations. Um, maybe there are some improvements that you can bring to your own process uh, about that. Maybe it's even in terms of not just what you communicate, but in making sure that you're getting the recognition back from the parent in the sense of an acknowledgement. Um, you know, I know some coaches, you know, go, they go through a process where they, they actually have like, a, you know, I, I acknowledge reading. It's sort of like a terms and conditions uh, <laughs> type, of, type of approach. Um, so even, you know, even while you're in the middle of it, they're trying to figure it out. I, I would take the time to actually go backwards um, because you don't want to get to the end and then not remember, you know, where you are at right now and then your reflection backwards because it won't be the same once you've already gone to the other side of it. So that's the first thing I'd say. But then being in the situation that you seem to be in right now, Paul, I guess the first thing I would do is bring the parent uh, aside and and you know, if you feel like you can have a real conversation with that person, uh, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, then I would, I would encourage you to do so. Um, and I would enter into the conversation, you know, recognizing the fact that parents oftentimes, um, you know, they don't even really know what to do, what not to do. Um, you know, is the person, you know, coming from a place where they think they know better? Um, are they coming from a place where, they're super, you know, sort of keen and motivated and they don't really know how to express it. I mean, without knowing the situation, I can't say, but, you know, I would have a conversation with that person, you know, one-on-one -on -one and, and let them know the impact that their actions um, are having, um, you know, what, what, what their actions are bringing for the team, what their actions are bringing for you as the other adult. I presume that this is a youth team um with you know children and so you know we're kind of in this together as adults when it comes to youth sports so you know it's not so much you versus that parent it's more about how you and the parents as a whole are partners and trying to facilitate a great experience and um you know improvement and development and, and performance and whatnot for for the kids 
Um, so, you know, even being able to talk to them and say, look, like this is what you are doing is doing to me and what I am trying to do with the group. And at the end of the day, if you're coaching a team, you're probably a part of a club. So you have resources and supports around you. Um, you know, good clubs probably have mechanisms in place for this. Um, so, you know, I would definitely turn to them as well. But I, I definitely want to encourage you uh, in that A, uh, in understanding that A, you know, you're not the only coach to, to get second guessed or, you know, if that's what's happening or otherwise interfered with um, by, by a parent. Uh, in, in the sporting world, that's for sure. We've all experienced it to a greater or lesser extent. I think our first reaction might be to get defensive and might, might want to get, you know, a little bit like this is my territory, sort of hands off. Um, but I don't know if that's going to be the most productive. Um, so, you know, engagement is usually the best word um, to, to, you know, sort of the best idea here. Lean on your club. If you don't feel like you can have a real conversation with that person, then then go to them and get them involved. Because um, at the end of the day, it's all about the grownups working to together um, to ensure that the kids have as positive of an experience as possible within the sport, within their, their team, um, and that they get better, they enjoy themselves. And, and all the rest of it, like we are partners in this with parents and, and all the adults that are running it, uh, running the youth sport uh, industry, right? So, you know, we have to find ways to work together. And I think that if we approach parents as partners, that can resolve 99% of the problems that we might run across. There will always be some, they're not interested in solutions. They're only interested in in, um, in other things. And at that point, then it becomes not so much something to manage but um, something that needs to get nipped in the bud. And that's where you're definitely going to need the support of your club. So um, I would go backwards and reflect uh, so that you can make sure that you're taking away the right lessons, the right learnings from, from the, the fact that you are in this situation. I would engage um, with the, the parent, have a real conversation with them, you know, uh, be, be completely transparent and, uh, and let them know what impact you see their actions having on the team and on you and maybe on their child from your perspective. But always keep in mind that a parent is uniquely placed to know their kid. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's, there's always going to be a difference there, right? As, as, as well as we might know an athlete, um, you know, within the sport or even outside of the sport, we'll never know them like their parents know them. Um, and so I think there's some mutual understanding and respect that needs to be on the table. And like I say, if the parent isn't interested in any of that and they just want to um, cause some drama and, and things like that, then that's where you've got the club. Uh, that's where you've got your colleagues and your peers. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be some mechanism in place to manage these situations. And I would encourage you to, to turn to that. Yeah. Well, I guess this next question sort of follows on from that. Uh, it's from Jane in Auckland. Uh, Jane asks, um, she's having a difficult time working with another coach in her sport. He, this, this particular coach, she says, is, is being difficult um, yeah. when they're trying to do things together, when they're training, etc. cetera. Um, and she sort of asks, how would you suggest uh, I deal with this situation? Right, right. You know, working together, 
first of all, thank you for the question, Jane. And, and uh, it's, um, yeah, I think this is another one that, that comes up a lot for us, not just in coaching, but just in, in organizations anywhere or anytime, you know, it's a committee of more than one uh, that are trying to do anything together, right? We're always trying to figure out how to work together um, with other people. So, you know, much of the answer, I think, is going to be similar. So I'm not going to repeat all of it, but definitely that um, that idea of engaging with them, um, trying to understand, you know, what is the cause or the root of their being disagreeable or, or difficult about partnering? Um, are, you know, is there a power dynamic there that needs to be addressed, whether it's formal or informal? Is it a head coach and an assistant coach? Is it two head coaches? Um, does this other person have hierarchy or seniority inside the, the club or, or, or anything like that? And are they, you know, being open to wanting to work with you or not open, uh, you know, as a result of what they might perceive as, you know, this is their area. I don't know, but I, I would give some thought to that. And at the end of the day, honesty is the best policy. Um, and, uh, I would ask for, um, I would, I would let them know that, that you'd like to have a conversation with them and, and get ready to have a difficult conversation, you know, and um, you want to, you want to understand where they're coming from and, you know, lay it out for them as well. You want to see what they have to say. And, you know, uh, difficult conversations are, are not um, things to be avoided. They're, they're really um, golden opportunities for genuine growth and development uh, for everyone and for improving um, whatever the situation is that people are in at that moment. So, you know, I think coaches, sometimes we, we, or a lot of the times, depending on who you ask, but I think a lot of the, sometimes we, we really grow ourselves a giant ego mm. um, and that gets in the way of, of, being willing to listen to or work with other people. Um, I, I really go out of my way as much as possible um, to, you know, and I have some great mentors in my life that keep me in my place, keep me where my feet are, so to speak. Um, and, and so when I'm in turn working with, you know, uh, younger coaches or, or with other people who would, perhaps be more likely to defer to me. Um, you know, I, I have to be really intentional about carving out the space for them to get involved because I think we're also fixers and doers as coaches and we just want to get on with it. We're not necessarily, um, you know, thinking about having that space be available for someone else, but that's our job. We have to be thinking about that. So Jane, um, I would get ready for a difficult conversation and I would um, I would want to lay it out for that coach and let them know what their actions mean to you and why it's affecting your ability to do your job together, it sounds like, um, with the other coach. And, um, you know, I think that, again, 99% of the time, that's really what it what it boils down to. Sometimes people just need a need to, to, to know that they're having an impact that they probably don't even want to have on, on someone else. Right. And that gives them a chance to, to know about it and to fix it and to, to say, Oh man, like that is not at all what I was, what I thought was happening. 
But again, if that is not the case and this coach is just being belligerent or, or you know, difficult or, you know, uh, unwilling to work with you, then you were presumably you were placed into this situation by an, an organization, a club, a committee, something. Um, and uh, these people are supposed to have your back. And that's that's uh, that that's the the fact of the matter. So. You know, there's always going to be supports and and coaches should not feel as if they're on their own um, because we're never on our own. Even organizationally, there's always going to be some place for you to turn for support. So I would encourage you to do that. Um, But, you know, it it might require, uh, um, you know, a difficult conversation with with the other coach and let them know that you're here. You're ready to do your job. You're ready to work. You're ready to contribute. Um, and, uh, you know, you want to do it with them. That's why you signed up for it. And, uh, and then, you know, you can work through those issues with that person. And, and I, I hope that's helpful. It's always interesting, the delicate relationships that you have with other coaches from experience. I know sometimes you've got to, a lot of the time coaches sound off and other coaches will sound off and say things at you sometimes to bait you because they're after they're after a fight. Um, I would say you pick your battles. Um, if it's not... Uh, yeah, we talked about that in a previous conversation, right? Like, you got to ask, you know, is this a hill I want to die on? Yeah, um, you're, you're right. right. You've got to ask that. You've yeah. got to tell yourself, is that something I, I want to be doing? Is that really constructive? Is that going to... Is that something I need to be thinking about? So, yeah, it is important. Um, yeah. We have a mess. We have a question here from uh, our good friend Stefan uh, from over in New Zealand, uh, from Wellington, uh, or thereabouts. Uh, he asked, "My daughter is playing a sport where there is a competition. There is competition for places. When she is playing, there is little support for her, and when the other player is doing it, there is a lot of vocal support from the parents. I can see it affecting her." and she is not sure how to process it. She is 12 years of age. Any suggestions as a parent, how I can support her through this? Yes, absolutely. Um, The first in terms of what, you know, let me tackle it two ways. So the first is I'm gonna tackle it with the the place where she's playing. I think that, I think that sporting organizations and clubs and parent groups, we have a responsibility to the children that are in front of us. And the children that are in front of us, whether they're they're top of the roster, middle, bottom, it doesn't matter. Um, they're the best player, the worst player, somewhere in between. You know, they are um, children who are in need of nurturing and support um, from the adults that are around them. Okay, this is the whole "it takes a village" idea, and and it does. And as a parent um, whose oldest is now nine and, you know, playing uh, competitive sports, you know, as much as nine-year-old, 10-year, you know, nine, 10, 11-year-old sports is competitive, but, um, you know, and he's, he's performing well, he's, you know, a top player on the team. And so it's easy for people to cheer for him when he scores and rebounds and stuff like that. It's, it's, it, it's what we do for the other kids that is going to really leave an impact. Um, And so myself, I don't coach this team. I'm there as a parent and I'm, I never cheer 
I mean, this might sound bad, but I, I don't cheer for, for my son when he scores. He has other people cheering for him when he does that. Um, I cheer for the other kids who, you know, knock the ball away or who make a good pass or um, who are picking their teammate up off the floor. Like that's who in the stands I'm cheering for. Um, and obviously my son's been around, it's basketball, but my son's been around the game for a long time. And so when we, you know, when we talk about his games, he, he gets, you know, he, I, I positively, re, positively reinforce in that way, but I'm not yelling, you know, Hey, great shot. You know, that's other people can do that. And so, you know, I, I think that as a parent group, um, no matter what team we're on, we have a responsibility to everyone. And if there is a competition, as Stefan is saying, in terms of, you know, player A, player B, and who's on, who's off, and, and this sort of thing at a position, um, you know, if the adults start, start to play favorites, not in terms of who plays, because all coaches are going to play the one that they feel should be playing, and that's their decision, okay? But the parents in the stands, we should not be playing favorites because they're children. And every child needs that nurturing support. Every child needs that positive reinforcement of their contribution and recognition of their contribution. Um, and, you know, honestly, I would have that conversation straight up with, um, with, with the school, the club, the parents. Um, I know that, you know, when, when I'm out watching, um, and uh, that's a very explicit discussion that, that, uh, that I have, as I, I'm, I'm kind of coaching the other parents as well uh, when, I'm, when I'm there, because, you know, I won't even in our discussions during the game, I won't be mentioning you know, the kids making the, the steals and the shots and this stuff, I'll be, I'll be talking about other things and to draw their attention to this mm. and to recognize that it matters. And, you know, we're, we're starting to see behaviors change as well. And so I think we all play a part in this um, and talking to the club, talking to the school, whatever the organization is about. So what, how are we approaching this given they are 12 years old, given that, you know, we are the adults and thus responsible for them. What's our approach to this? What's our, what's our plan? Like, do we have a parent code of conduct? Um, and so forth. I presume that they're not being negative towards her, like cheering when she does something wrong or makes a mistake and things like that. I, I assume they're just being more vocally supportive of the other player, but nonetheless, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had. Um, and it's an important one, not just because it's it's Stefan's daughter uh, specifically, but it's it, because it's 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 um, about children. Um, so that that's one thing. The second side of it is is in regards to the athlete uh, and uh, to speaking with your daughter. I think that to, you know being a sports parent is really hard, uh, especially if you're a sports person. And you know, I often ask my son. Um, you know, after practice or after a game, I said, okay, so do you, do you want to get, do you want coach dad or do you want dad? And um, he'll tell me and he'll tell me which one he wants to hear from at that. Point. Uh, and I listen to him. I respect him in that. So if he asks for dad, then I'm, I'm having a different conversation with him about, you know, how he did and what's happening around him. Um, and if he wants to hear from coach dad, then I'll, I'll talk about, I'll talk about things from a coaching perspective, from a coach's perspective. 
So we had a conversation, all of this bringing back to this situation. I had a conversation with him, very similar to this, not quite the same, um, where there was a game and they played and he went to the free throw line and with, you know, a couple minutes left and it was a pretty tight game. It was like 36, 34, you know, high scoring game for under, under 10. Um, and, you know, he went one of two at the free throw line and on his miss, the parents in the other, the other parent group cheered. And, and, you know, he, he's been around again, he's been around us. And so he's not accustomed to that occurring because you don't cheer for someone else's failure. Mm. Um, right. At, when they're young in particular. Um, and so he was quite affected by that. Like it, it really, it really got to him. And, you know, I, I tried to explain to him that they weren't cheering for the fact that you failed. They were cheering that the situation benefited their team. And you just happened to be there and you just happened to be the one shooting. It had nothing to do with you. Um, it was their team that was, you know, sort of in a, in a good spot as a result of, of a miss. Um, and helping kind of depersonalize the situation, this brings me back to the question, helping to depersonalize the situation, even if you have to kind of search for a way to do that, can be helpful. Because I think as children, they're going to internalize it a lot. And it may be that it's, you know, that his Stefan's daughter and another player. And so there is a personal aspect to it, but it's not really about his daughter. It's another player. And that, 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 uh, that first player, right. It could be anybody basically. And maybe the, the parent group would be far more vocal for this other player than any other player. It's not just about, about her, I'm sure. So, you know, helping to try and depersonalize that, um, talking to them about how to manage the, um, you know, the, that feedback uh, that they're hearing, they're noticing, um, you know, is, is important because not everyone's going to be patting us on the back all the time, even the people that we think are in our corner. And there's a life lesson in that um, as well. And 12 is a little young maybe to be learning it, but whenever you got to learn it, I guess is the time that you're going to have to learn it. And even the people that are, you know, on your team or, or, you know, in your school or the parents of your friends, um, not everyone's going to be pulling in the same direction all the time. So that's, that's, that's a fact of life that, that maybe it's time for that conversation to be had as well. Generally speaking, I think supporting them in that, recognizing that, you know, that it can affect them and that's okay. It's okay to be affected by that. It's okay to not like that. Um, but the question becomes like, what happens now? You know, um, you don't want to quit uh, or let it affect you because then you're giving up your power to someone else. Um, and someone else is making decisions for how you spend your time and whether you play a sport or don't play a sport. And nobody should have that kind of control in our lives. Um, you know, so, you know, I, 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 I think it's a very delicate um, conversation to have, situation to navigate, because these are people that should be in her corner. And, and that's why I believe that the adults need to be spoken with um, honestly and transparently. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't shy away from that. The only way for us to break 
um, many, you know, all if, if many, if not all of the negative aspects within youth sports is we, we have to call it like we see it and we got to bring light to these things. So, you know, that may mean people not liking that or people being uncomfortable about it. Well, okay, that's fine. Um, because if, if, if people are behaving this way towards someone that's on their team, in my opinion, in my opinion, that's not good. And, um, and that needs to be addressed, you know, uh, forthrightly and, uh, and with utter transparency. So that's what I would say to that. Yeah. It sounds like a difficult situation, Stefan. I feel for you. He does go on to say that, uh, when he's still, it's pretty much silence when she is playing. And uh, there's a lot of support for the other girl when they're playing. Um, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, I often say to parents that I often try to encourage parents to look for substance over flash. Um, I often say that term, substance over flash, um, and remind parents that there's more to this, there's more to any game than just simply the flashy stuff that comes at the end of a sequence of. Uh, a sequence of plays that get you to that point. You know, I always say to parents, you know, and they used to, you know, they get excited about a goal that we score in hockey. Uh, I always remind the parents, well, it's come through several plays before it's actually got to that position. Um, and everyone's played their part in getting it there. So, yeah, yeah, it is, it's important. It is important, isn't it, that, uh, you know, that we're, we – remind parents that there's more to this than just simply um, the flashy stuff. Definitely right, Jerome. I, th I think you nailed it there. You know, it's, it's, it's about, it's about steak, not sizzle. Uh, and it's hard though. It's hard to get that across because most people don't have a sort of a real in-depth understanding of, um, of what they're seeing, right? Like they don't see, all of the, all of the component pieces of substance that leads to the moment, the one moment of, of flash, right? Like they all, their eyes don't recognize that. Um, so that's why, you know, a lot of the education that we have to do with parents is about teaching them the game. Just because your kid plays the game, it doesn't mean you know anything about the sport that they're playing. Um, you might've even played it, but you probably, you played it in a different era and, you know, you might come in with some really firm ideas about how the game should be played because that's the way you played it. Mm. You know, if, if you have a child at 25, which is pretty young, but let's say you have a child at 25 and now you're 35, 36 and your child is 10, 11, 12. Okay. So you have to go back 20 years to when you were 17, right? Mm. And, and you were playing. Well, in that 20-year time frame, a lot has happened. And there's been a lot, there have been a lot of changes to the way your sport is, is conducted. So, you know, sometimes even the parents that have played might come in with a little bit more firmly rooted ideas and what everyone should be doing. Um, but I think, I think that's part of the educational piece that we need to bring, which is letting parents understand all of the different dominoes that 
line line up in in a sequence and why they line up that way and so that they can begin to recognize this pattern that occurs on the court not don't leave it up to 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 chance you know be intentional about how you educate your parents um and and i always think that that we should be looking out for each other um as as parents and we should definitely all be looking out for all the kids um, across the board and making them each feel valued and important um, and uh, respected for the contribution that they bring to the team, no matter if it's a moment of style or if it's, a, if it's you know, a moment of substance. They, they, are each, they are each to be recognized. We've got a couple more questions to, to go to before we wrap it up. Um, a little bit... Uh, it's 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 a good conversation. A lot of in depth conversations around it today. This one comes from uh, Cameron in Bathurst, New South Wales, and it relates to an extremely relevant topic that continues to be relevant, as we know. Over the last two years of the pandemic, there's been a lot of interruptions to junior sport where I am. How would you keep motivating young kids to continue throughout this? To continue with the sport mm. yeah well I, I you know honestly i guess the first thing is you got to stay motivated yourself um and you, you can't you know get discouraged or um you know too much about the situation it's it's an unfortunate reality of of our world at the moment right that the pandemic is lingering and evolving as we're seeing um and you know what like we're going to we're going to, to tackle whatever comes across the same way that we had to tackle, um, you know, what happened when it first emerged. We got to keep our heads up and we got to keep our focus on, on what it is that we can control. And so that, you know, hopefully that, that includes us taking care of ourselves so that we're in a positive space and that we're, you know, practicing self-care so that we can in turn take care of the kids. Um, a couple of years is a long time. A lot changes in that time. You know, think about, you know, how a child who was 10 years old or 11 years old is now 13, um, you know, 12 or 13. It, it may, there's a big difference there in, um, in just everything uh, in their life, in their world, their priorities change. So I think the first thing that I would say, you know, other than making sure that we are motivated is that, you know, be sure that what it is that we are doing in youth sport is going in junior sport is going to be relevant to the clientele, so to speak, relevant to the, to the kids that we're trying to reach. So if, you know, you're not talking to the same kids that you were talking to two years ago, even though they're the same kids, they are not the same kids that they were two years ago. Um, And if they had to step away and not participate for, an extended duration of time, they've they've changed probably more than you would be able to to, to understand because you haven't seen them um, as much. And so now, you know, you haven't been tracking some of these like changes uh, on the day to day or week to week basis. So just understanding, like you know, we have to maybe alter what we do. We have to change our approach. We have to maybe change our delivery model. Maybe we have to go with virtual training. Maybe we have to you know, bring our sport and modify it for outdoors if we're an indoor sport. Um, you know, a lot of the times, a lot of the restrictions are indoor, outdoor related as well because of how the how the virus is transmissible. 
uh, in the outdoor space differently than it is indoor. So, you know, maybe there is some adaptation there that that um, sports can bring to the table. Um, I think that we should be also um, thinking about ways to reduce the expectations on kids um, and, you know, lower barriers. So what I mean by that is this, you know, if there was a 13 year old, 14 year old kid who was like all gung ho on, you know, their training and their sport and they were, you know, on their way to maybe playing up a couple divisions and they were in the state training pool and this and that, then they haven't touched a ball or they haven't, you know, competed at least um, in 18 months or two years. And now they are 16 years old or 15 years old. I don't think we should have the same expectations of them as we might have of a 15 year old who had gone through two years of steady growth and development. Okay. And what does that mean? Maybe that means we're a little bit more understanding of their schedule. We're a little bit more understanding of their divided attention. Um, and we are basically trying to reintroduce ourselves as a sport to that person and let them fall in love with the sport again. Because if they were that good and they were that dedicated and passionate, they must have really loved what they were doing. And if they loved it once, they might love it again. Um, and, and I think we should just reduce our, our lower, our, um, not our standards, but our expectations of, of them being at the sharp edge of the spear, you know, right away, that's not going to happen. You know, they have to ramp up again, uh, and maybe they'll get tired earlier. Maybe they'll have to stop and go off and do something else. Right. And and that's okay. I think we should reduce barriers as well. I think we should decomplicate participation as much as possible. I think that, you know, come and try days and, and those sorts of things are fantastic for the younger age groups because they can come out and try five different sports and, you know, run their way through, you know, tennis and this and that and this and that. And the next thing you know, they'll, they'll be like, hey, you, remember when I was 10 years old and I was playing, you know, soccer three, four times a week and I, I miss that, you know, mom, dad, can I, I want to go back to that. And it's, it's going to come back uh, in most cases, but I think we need to just have a little bit of understanding. You know, when, when we went virtual in our lives, you know, when we went from being in an office or being, you know, wherever it is that we worked, seeing other humans every day, commuting the whole thing. And then we went away from that for a long time. And then we came back. It was weird, you know, like it was, it, it was weird. We, I know for, for myself, I was like, man, do I, should I keep my mask on? Do I take, you know, like, what are the, where's my comfort level? Where's other people's comfort level? What are we like? It's, it's just different. And if it's different for us, it's not any, it's not going to be any more, it's not gonna be any less different of an experience for the kids, right? When they, they were out of school, they were remote, they were this, the whole world is upside down. Um, and so, you know what, a little bit of grace, a little bit of understanding, a little bit of patience, um, a little bit of, uh, of uh, decomplication, I think is going to go a long way. And I think what you'll find is that these, these stressors, if we remove these stressors from their lives, their motivation goes up rather than down. It's not like they're going to, to be like, you know what, I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to do that. 
because, you know, coaches, he's not on me about being at practice. They're going to want to go to practice. If you know, if you make practice fun and, and relevant to what it is that they need to do, then they're going to be there. And um, I just think we need, we need to take a long-term, long-term approach to this whole situation um, because it's everywhere. We've all experienced it in different ways and it's no different for the kids. Yes, it's, 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 yeah, totally agree with everything you said there. I don't, there's not much more I can, I can add. I, I agree with, you know, expectations when they first out of the gate. I always said to coaches here at WA, not that we've had many lockdowns to always lower your expectations when the first training session back after a lockdown. Um, expect to see the kids fumble the ball, expect to see the kids struggle a little bit skill wise because they're rusty. Um, and just, just go with it. It'll come good again. You just got to be patient um, and let it happen. Yes. Yes, absolutely. When we came back to playing basketball in June, it was, I mean, even, you know, pretty good players. It was, it was atrocious basketball. And um, you're just like, wow. Uh, but, you know, it, it took a month and a half or, or a couple months for, for most teams who were in the gym, you know, a lot together um, to get back into the groove of things. And the next thing you know, they, they, you know, they, they, they got back to where they should have been maybe a little bit less, but honestly, marginally different. Uh, you know, I've, I've watched some fantastic high level basketball um, coached some fantastic high level basketball that is indistinguishable from pre pandemic. Uh, shooting percentages are higher in some cases. Um, turnover rates are lower in most cases. Um, and the game is just being played with, with a good pace and, and everything else. And so all these different indicators are, are showing us and my, the eye test as well. We're back. It just takes time you know, and we just got to, we have to give ourselves that time and you have to give the kids that time. I remember first training session, I was coaching back and I was laughing and smiling and the players interpreted that I was upset because the skill wise wasn't right. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm laughing and smiling because I'm just so delighted to see you out here. I never thought we'd be in position. I never thought we'd be here. That's why I'm laughing and smiling. And I'm laughing at the, yes, I'm laughing at the fact that you're, you're, you know, and I'm laughing with you when you miss trap and all that, because I know how frustrated you must feel, but I also know that surely you must be so delighted that you're actually here and you're actually able to do it. So, yeah, how lucky we can be. Um, the last question is a very, very uh, tricky question. Uh, it comes from Tom in Dublin, Ireland. Um, uh, Tom has discovered that one of his young players is being bullied by others in the team. And he's asked, can he, we suggest the best approach to deal with this particular matter? That is an excellent um, question. It's a uh, very unfortunate situation. And I, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that for the young person. Um, I think that the 
So my approach to this would be as follows. Um, I would place my focus squarely on the well-being and the interests of the uh, young person who is experiencing the bullying mm -hmm. um, exclusively, which means that it means that I would be taking action, making decisions um, in their interest at the expense of the team's performance um, of uh, even, you know, the, the other individuals uh, who are involved. Um, I think that when there is someone who is a victim of bullying or of any other type of harassment, um, the people that are in positions of responsibility have a duty of care um, to, um, to protect their, them and their interests. Um, that is the way that I would approach it. So that's my mindset going into this entire discussion. My focus is on protecting that person. I would bring and shed immediate light to the situation. Um, and I would lean immediately on the people that are around me. So that would be the club that would be without knowing the ages or whatever. Um, that would be the, the, the club organization, the, the coaching director, the technical director, I don't, you know, whichever chain of command, so to speak, I would, um, you know, go about starting the, the, the process of, um, what, if the, if the, if the club conducts an investigation or, or, you know, whatever that process is, I, I would, I would start it, make sure that it gets started. Coming, you know, it sounds like Tom, you have, um, you're pretty rock solid on, on the fact that this is happening from, from, the, from the, the statement. And so I would remove the other people from the group immediately. I would uh, suspend them until, um, until there's a resolution one way or the other in the, uh, in the matter. Um, and I would go uh, to the extent of then having the discussion with the team, the, all team members and the remaining team members about, um, you know, the culture of the group and, you know, the, the behavior that is acceptable, the behavior that is not acceptable. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately I think that, that, you know, it's important to, to keep in mind what I said at the very beginning, and that is like my focus is on their well-being. My focus is not on whether we are winning or losing games. Um, my focus is not on whether, you know, I, I get my contract renewed or, or, or not. If I, lose, if I lose a job for protecting a vulnerable person, I'll take that bullet any day. 365. 365, no worries. Um, I don't even want to be a part of that club anymore anyway, um, if, if that's the case. So, you know, I, I think that we as coaches, we like to talk a lot about our, um, our roles in the lives of young people uh, and how we are all doing this because, you know, we'd like to have a positive impact and we want to have a relationship that, that um, transforms lives and, and, uh, 
And, and so now this is where the rubber hits the road on that sort of idea, okay? Um, so really serious, uh, a really serious matter, not one that you should tackle alone, Tom, uh, not one that you should try to solve by yourself. Um, you should definitely, in my opinion, lean upon the organization that's beside you. Um, and it's one, however, that, that sounds like it requires immediate action and, um, and, you know, uh, and, and remedy being put into place to protect the person uh, and, uh, and to then make sure that the team is then protected as well in the sense that, you know, there, there's no, no team in the world that's really going to be any good at all if there is such a, an imbalance of respect in the team that a player can be bullied um, within a group and that is acceptable behavior. There's that team will never succeed. Ultimately, at some point, even if they're more talented, they're going to run up at some point. They're going to run into somebody that is going to be better than them um, on the field, even if they're not better than them on paper. Uh, and that's going to be because the group is not really connected to each other. It's it, they're just a bunch of people wearing the same color uniform. Um, if, if there's such an imbalance and such a disrespect within the team. So, you know, first and foremost, focus squarely on, on the well-being of the young person in question, um, take immediate action regarding suspension uh, and removing the, uh, the offenders from the situation. Do that in conjunction with the club, the organization, start the process, uh, whatever that looks like. And, um, and then honestly go with what is the right thing to do. And the right thing to do is not the easy thing to do. The right thing to do is the right thing to do. And I'm sure that you'll, uh, you'll know what that is, Tom, because, uh, you know, you're asking the right question uh, and you're obviously concerned about it. And I would encourage you to, to get proactively um, engaged with this issue right away. Totally agree there with what you said, David. Last week I addressed a, a conference on um, in in around uh, um, inclusivity in sport, and at that conference I suggest I presented the case that it, it starts with us as sports coaches. We have to create that positive, safe, inclusive environment. And in this case, I totally agree. Um, Tom has identified that this is not safe for, for that young man or young person, uh, for the young person in question. Um, and, yes, you need to act as quickly as possible to address it. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a difficult question to end on um, because it's never an easy, easy thing. Uh, but it does start with us. It starts with us as coaches. We have to be the ones to you know, to, to make sure that we create an environment that's positive, that's safe, and that young players feel that they can be themselves in um, as much as possible. Yes, there's a, there's a, you know, a common, uh, common denominator in sport. And, and the common denominator is that it's played by people. And, Inherently, we are all 
of the same, we're all of the same tree. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that, that we need to keep reminding ourselves and we keep, we need to be intentional about vocalizing these ideas about modeling this behavior. Um, and, um, you know, go, going even out of our way to, um, to demonstrate respect for and um, interest in other cultures, other, um, you know, types of, of, of things where that are not, you know, our own. And we can, we can demonstrate what it looks like um, to be inclusive. And, you know, bullying is, is like the, it's, it's really the, the resort of the week, you know? Um, and so there's a, uh, there's a feeling of, of, of fear that is often behind uh, the bullying that is people are, are, are lashing out because they're somewhere, they're afraid of something. And, and it's really, it's really something that has to get um, eradicated uh, for lack of a better term, it needs to be, it needs to be called out. It needs to be um, spotlighted. Uh, and it's behavior that is learned. Uh, it's not, no one's, no one's born wanting to, to, to bully or make other people feel less than. Um, it's, uh, it's something that's learned. And so that means it's, it's nurture and not nature, which also means that we can have an impact in making sure that that is not a behavior that continues. Um, so, you know, I, I feel, I, I feel very sad, um, for the young person and for Tom, who is, uh, you know, going to need to address this situation. It's definitely one that many of us have seen over the years and that we've had to, um, you know, experience ourselves as coaches, um, within our clubs or, or even within our teams. And, I can tell you, you know, very honestly that, um, you know, the very first thing I said is really the most important thing. If, if you put your focus on the well-being and the interests of the victim um, and you take their shoes, um, then your, your decisions become a lot simpler. Your, your actions become a lot simpler, a lot more straightforward, a lot easier to identify because you're not weighing things because it's not about, you know, how will this affect the team? I don't care how it affects the team. How will this affect me? I don't care how it affects me. The, the only thing that I care about is protecting that person uh, because they are, in need of, they are in need of me, of my protection and of my support. Um, and, uh, and so that's what I'm going to do. And that is our job in that situation as, as, as a coach and, you know, Tom, uh, you know, I'm with you. So, you know, um, good luck with, uh, with handling that situation. And we will keep in touch. I've got Tom's email, so we will keep in touch with Tom as well. Yes. Uh, fantastic. Find out how it goes and, and I'll let you, we'll let our viewers know what the outcome, uh, as much as possible has been within the, within the bounds of confidentiality of course um mm -hmm. etc um well thank you david thank you again um very in-depth questions very in-depth again from our from our viewers um but that's a good thing 
that's a good thing. It makes you think, um, and and it's important. It's important that, that these issues that coaches are, are sending into us, where the questions that they're sending in, are helping us to hopefully helping to address some some uh, relevant uh, relevant topics today in the world of sports coaching and helping other sports coaches out there, even not just the ones that are sending in questions, but the other viewers that are watching, helping them to perhaps be able to deal with certain issues and certain things that crop up along the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, Jerome. And, and thanks again for a good conversation. It was, these questions were definitely, um, you know, heavier tonight uh, and, uh, you know, very, as you say, in depth and kind of felt like a sports ethics class that I taught, you know, it's a very, a very, I mean, it's, it's, these are real, these are real things. It's real life. Um, and uh, I think that's what I'm hoping is um, beneficial from why I why I keep doing this. Um, you know, not only because I enjoy seeing you and having a conversation with you, of course, but uh, but because I'm hoping there's real benefit to to the folks that are out there, to the coaches that are out there, in, in practical, real ways. Um, you know, and and so you know thank you for the questions and uh, definitely keep them coming i look forward to the next conversation and and i'll definitely want to want to follow up with uh, with you know many of these uh tonight um i feel like there's uh, there's a lot more to unpack there and and i know i know you feel the same that we're there for them so we are you know, looking forward to the next one thanks Drew. and we do hope that someday soon we'll be able to be in the same room together and do one sitting together uh, which would be a nice change. We do hope that that will be achievable somewhere soon. Uh, and Absolutely. It's in sight. It's in sight. I, I have no doubt that next year it's in sight. It's just uh, we just have to keep keep being patient and keep keeping on, as we said, through this, the difficult times of the pandemic. You've just got to stick with it. It is lingering, but we'll get there. And, uh, yeah, as I said on the other day on the Great Sports Display, please... Go out and get vaccinated. It's so important. Uh, yes. It's all said and done. It's so important. And uh, anyway, thank you again, David. Thank you again to everyone who was part of it. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, Jerome.